The book of Acts, I want to start out by saying that it's not the book of thoughts. Pretty obvious. But it's the Acts of the apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the Acts of the people of God. It's the Acts of, of what God did. Whatever you see in Scripture, it starts in, in, in Acts 1, and it says that Jesus began to do and teach. There's always proclamation and demonstration. We're going to give space for some demonstration at the end in terms of just allowing God's spirit to move for people to be prayed for. There is, um, it's, it's, the key thing is that it, it began. It's, it started with, the, with Jesus, then to the apostles, but then they get passed on to us. Jesus began to do and to teach. It's the word and it's the work. It's proclamation and demonstration. It's doing and teaching. And I think anything around Christianity that just revolves around teaching, our heads may explode and we may get super clever, but we're not going to impact the world. The whole thing about being a follower of Jesus is that our lives change, and in turn, we go and change the world. We go and do what we learned. People come and ask me, do we have a discipleship plan? I said, yes, follow Jesus. Do what he did. Get behind someone who, who's a little bit further in the faith than you and follow them. There was an incredible, who's heard of Victory Church? It's uh, in the Philippines, and I think they've got a, a branch here. Amazing church. But the guy who started it really just started, he says, I'm not a great preacher, and my friends tell me so also. But he knew that he just had to cause this multiplying effect of the gospel into people's lives. So he would lead 10 people to Jesus. Those 10 would lead 10. It's now a mega church and a movement that's gone across the world. And that is ultimately what the heart of the gospel is. If I read the book of Acts and you can see it replicated again in our day in China where there's just this multiplying effect of the gospel. So we're getting a bigger venue not so we can have just more people. It's so more lives can be changed so their lives can change more lives. So we can do and we can teach. We have a clear understanding of the scriptures but we don't get stuck in that place that it, it cripples us from actually doing and being the work of God. Amazing. So this Acts 2 for me, uh, as you see behind us, a series in the book of Acts, it's encounter. And I believe encountering God is one of the key parts of our Christianity. We believe by faith. We receive by faith. All of this. A lot of what I do even this week, I'm like, some of this just doesn't make sense, but God, I believe and I receive by faith. I, don't, I can't see the end result, but I'm believing. So we live in that state of faith, but I believe that there's a moment and moments in our lives where we need to be filled and, and encounter the, the incredible power of the Holy Spirit. And because we need it because the, the world needs Jesus. And we do not have our own strength inside of us. I, I've been so aware of my humanity of late, just how weak I am in myself without Jesus. How if I try to do stuff and try to make good patterns and try to good, uh, put good things in place and we, we try to grow the church through our own method, it does not work. The church and people grow because of Jesus Christ and because of what he's done in their heart. And my, my heart really, I've been listening to a guy Alan Scott, who's heard of Alan Scott? Um, he amazing, and leads a church, or used to lead a church in Northern Ireland called Causeway Vineyard Church. And uh, he, they have led thousands upon thousands to Jesus on the streets. I mean, it's just, it's just an incredible, incredible move of God. And they've said they've seen more people saved on the streets than they have seen people internally. So first point, encounter births, number one, the power of God. You can look at the word power throughout the New Testament. It's often translated as dunamis, which is where we get dynamite. I've mentioned that many times. And we need to realize that the power of God is powerful. It's in some ways, and I don't think it's like this all the time because I, 
for me, it's the Holy Spirit's very gentle with me and how he works in my heart and all that stuff. But it, the power that should flow through us is like if I just stick my finger in the socket, and I've done that a few times by mistake. We had a kettle with a, an exposed back of the plug, and I, I just didn't bother to put it back on. I thought, that's going to be fine. I'll always switch off. And then one time by mistake, put my finger on it. I was like, Zzz! And uh, it, wasn't, it was, just didn't feel great. Um, but I was awake after that. And can I say that there's, there's something of that in, in, in the power and the presence of God, that where we, where we go and our lives go, we should change the atmosphere of where we go. This is what Acts 2 is all about. So I'm not going to go through all of Acts 2, but I'm going to pick up a few parts. So encounter births, number one, the power of God. On the day of Pentecost, let's just pause there. Pentecost was a time, in, it's one of the major Jewish festivals. It's called the Festival of the Harvest. It's 50 days after Passover. So now if we just look at it chronologically with Jesus, yeah, Jesus died, he was resurrected for 40 days, he preached the kingdom for 10 days. They waited in Jerusalem for the power of the Holy Spirit to come as 50 days. It's, it's the harvest that comes. And they start celebrating. And as you'll see, the presence of God comes, and the presence of God comes so there can be a harvest. It's amazing, amazing these pictures that started all the way back in Egypt when the Israelites were passing, um, when the angel of death was going over the land of Egypt, they put blood on their doorposts and the angel of death passed them. And that's where Passover comes from and you celebrate Passover. And that is a picture obviously of Jesus Christ. He died, he resurrected, he is the final covenant. We, we put our hope and our trust in him. We are washed clean by his blood. The death passes over us and we, we step into the newness of life. So Pentecost says all the believers were meeting together in one place. Everyone say one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. As we'll see later, thousands gathered. So that must have been super loud. I remember when we started the church, someone prophesied about six months before and says, they literally sung over us for about 15 minutes and said, the wind will blow and the fire will fall. We're like, Yes, Lord. And you know, you kind of get into that Christian zone. And uh, we were kind of received, but he literally sung it over us for 15 minutes. It became a joke amongst all of our friends. I'd get friends leaving me voice messages. The wind will blow and the fire will fall. And anyway, so I'd like, you kind of don't think about that. And then we plant the church and it was the windiest day to this day. I haven't seen a windier day in Dubai. Trees were falling over. There was a fire down the road. I was like, Jesus, whether it was coincidence or not, I'm like, I'm taking it as a sign that we're meant to plant this church. Okay, the wind will blow and the fire will fall. It says, and it was, they filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. That's an incredible picture because in the Old Testament, as the Israelites were led out of Egypt into the promised land, it took them 40 years. Um, as they were led out, they were led by a flame at night. Am I right? Fire, fire by day? Cloud by night, fire by... No, other way around. <laughs> That's why Bruce is a theologian. He gets all of that right. Okay. And, um, and the, the point is they were led by the, the fire, but yet in the New Testament, we all get the new fire of God, and it settles on each individual person. For me, that is a picture of the Spirit living in all of us, guiding us in our, maybe our wilderness years of being on earth, but ultimately going to the promised land. Amazing. Just amazing pictures throughout the, the Bible that you can see. The church was birthed in power, but you look four or five hundred years later, it, become, it became a dead and dry institution. 
And I think that what started to happen is that the initial birthing of the church with birth with this incredible power of God, people started to make rules and regulations. I think Billy Graham said it, then Bono said it. Religion is when God moves out of the building and men make a set of rules to fill his place. That's ultimately what starts to happen is that if we are not presence folk, Jesus focused with the presence of God, people, we start end up getting into religion. And I do not want City Lights to end up in a few years' time to be in a place of religion, where it's just like, can we just not go to church? Where church becomes about duty, and we have to be there, and we have to serve. Where the Spirit of God, if it ignites something in our hearts, it'll utterly change us. What caused these untrained men, as it says in um, Acts 4.13, to become the men that turned the world upside down? It was the power of the Spirit of God. And I can tell you when the first time I preached, and obviously you grow in something that God calls you to do, I do believe in the 10,000 hour rule, that you just do things a whole lot and you're going to eventually get better at it. And um, I remember the first time I preached, I was so timid. I was, so, I was stumbling over my words. I could barely read scripture. I couldn't get through it. And I realized this. I did not have the power of God in my life. I did not have this understanding that God wants to empower me to do the ministry. And you know, you sit around people who are so bold in their faith, and I can tell you that they have put the presence of God as, as a number one priority in their lives because he knows that he empowers and he fills, and he, so we can go out into ministry. I was probably about, uh, this is probably about eight years, nine years ago now, we were about to come on eldership at the old church that we were at, and uh, an evangelist came in called Keir Taylor, and he laid hands on me. And this has happened a few times in my life, and it's, uh, it's not every, every, every time, but he laid hands on me. And I was so flooded with the power of God that I collapsed. And some of you would have grown up in something of the charismatic renewal and, and seen some of that in the early 90s. And, and there was, but it was just, it was so real to me. No one could tell me that, oh, that's fake, you were faking it. No, I did not fake it. I'm like fairly skeptical, I think I am. But I was just like God, and, I was, and I, God filled me with the power of God, and then he, he filled me because he had a task for me in the future. And I honestly believe we cannot move forward as the people of God if we are not anointed by the king. There's, there's, it's clear throughout the book of Acts. And I think for me, it just, it comes from a hunger and a thirst. It comes from recognizing and theologically and believing it. Some of you come from very different church backgrounds. I know I've got, a, I've got a bit of Anglican, I've got charismatic Anglican, I've got Baptist, I've got uh, uh, like charismatic, I've got Pentecostal. Those are all the churches I've kind of been involved in. And all of them have different stances on the spirits and the gifts of the Spirit. I can tell you that if you just read the scriptures like we're reading now, plainly, as a simple person like I am, we have to realize that the Holy Spirit is alive and he wants to move into people's hearts and he wants to change us and make us more like him, which in turn is going to change the world. We're meant to disperse his grace on others. God's presence often breaks in, in the darkest times in history. There was, in the, uh, the 1800s, um, there was incredible dark moments in English, uh, in, in Britain and in, in the, the British Empire. This supposed Christian country built on Christian values, uh, commentators and historians said it had slipped into massive moral decay. If you read history books, which I read a whole amazing article yesterday, but it says that UK was rampant with gambling, alcoholism, slave trade, 
child labor. Kids were being born onto the streets and just left for dead. There was, there was just, there were, the moral compass had shifted. There was massive slave trade. It was, it was just, it was just horrible. People getting super rich off the super poor. And I mean, this obviously that's still around today, but it wasn't exposed. And into that time, God raised up a few men. He raised up John Wesley. He raised up George Whitfield. He raised up um, uh, William Wilberforce, who became these people that brought the gospel to the highest places and to the lowest places. John Wesley, he, he went uh, as a missionary across to America. At this stage, he believed he wasn't saved, quite, uh, saved yet. On his way back, he met up with a group called the Moravians, and they had a 100-year prayer meeting in Moravia. And um, they, they were filled with the Spirit. They were going out as radical missionaries, selling themselves into slave trade so they can reach the slaves. Just an incredible, incredible move of God, what started to happen there. And um, he met up with them, and he started attending their meetings, and he said he had the strange warming of the heart. And I believe that's when he got saved, but also filled with the presence of God. From that moment, he, he preached. They said, the highways and the byways of England. He literally, him and George Whitfield went up and down and they saw massive revival. Thousands of people would preach to. George Whitfield would preach and by the thousands, people would fall over under the power of the Spirit. Whenever there's a renewal happening, God sends the power of His Spirit. And we cannot be afraid or, or that's why I want to say, can you just throw away any bias you've had, good or bad, to, to understanding this? Don't be resistant. And God wants to move in our hearts and He wants to empower us by His presence and by spirit. Who's heard of the Azusa Street Revival? Incredible um, moment in history that where the, the Spirit of God fell on a small group of people. And uh, they started to sing, prophesy, uh, and they, they went out, and this incredible missionary movement went across the whole earth to now where they, they say that there's 600 million Pentecostals on the earth today. We can kind of attribute something of what we're part of. I think we have a bit of evangelical, charismatic Pentecostal all mixed and meshed into one. Hillsong, Planet Shakers, Bethel, all of these people have their roots deeply in that move of God that happened over 100 years ago, which is amazing. And I mean, obviously, there's had it's good and it's bad, and a lot of people just throw the baby out with the bathwater, and I think that's just unwise. The, power, the point is the power of God moves, and He's wanting to move in our hearts. He wants to rip out the religion out of us. Second thing that the power of God brings is salvation. Acts 2 verse 37, it says, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you should, must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, to all have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believe that Peter said we uh, were baptized and added to, that to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Here you have Peter, a few chapters back, if you just turn backwards in your Bible, he denied Christ three times because he wasn't bold enough. The same Peter gets up to the same people, preaches the gospel in absolute power. The difference is the power and empowering of the Holy Spirit. And salvations came. There's a, a guy that was part of Stala's dad's church in 3CI in Pretoria. And um, he was part of the goth satanic group. You know those guys with the big boots, 
painted their faces, listened to music that's, you know, that kind of, some of you guys still like that kind of thing, but if, as long as it's got Christian words to it, I'm kind of okay with that. Um, but he was, he was part of that crew. He had, a, he had a witch for a girlfriend. I mean, this is a pretty bad dude, okay, if we're looking at kind of standards of bad, and they're all bad. And um, he, comes, he comes in and he gets radically saved in Styler's Dad's church. He just, he just bows his knee, repents of his sins, throws away all the stuff from the past, walks away from it, comes into a new life. And then the next week there was a Halloween party. So he decides to go dressed up as Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ carrying the cross. So they thought, ah, oh, this guy's just mocking religion. He's mocking Jesus. We're cool with that. And he says, I'm not mocking him. I'm telling you that he's alive and he's changed me. And he ended up leading a, a bunch of people to the Lord. He led his girlfriend, who was a witch, to the Lord. There was just, a, just the kingdom of God began to break. And I can't, the church should never get into religion. There's, a, there's people who are stuck, may, maybe not in that dark place like that, but people who are so far from God. And all they're needing is you to be the one that just maybe triggers something. Sometimes it starts with a smile. Sometimes it starts with being friendly. And it leads to you being able to lead them to Jesus. There was a guy, when he first started the church, his name was Neil. Who remembers Neil? Okay, the church has drastically changed, clearly. Debbie and Ivan know. And um, he was, I remember he used to come to church a few times. He's, one of his friends came and they invited him along. And he was like, one of his friends got radically saved. So he's like, okay, cool, I'm going to bring you, I'm going to bring him along and see what happens. And he wasn't keen. I mean, he was just fully stuck in the Dubai lifestyle. He had a fancy sports car. He was a, a guy that sold you life insurance. So he was the guy that would cold call you. He was gutsy. He was a fighter. And, um, and he, he, the one night he ends up going out and he wakes up, obviously got blind drunk, and he wakes up the next morning with, his, with himself ha- handcuffed to the person next to him. And he's in jail. And he's like, okay, how did I get here? And obviously he can't remember a thing. He, and the, the, what was told to him afterwards is that he got into a massive fight. He looked in the mirror. He had a bruised eye, broken jaw. He was, and in that moment, I think he got out of jail and he got a text. He said, come to church. So he's like, he came to church that day. That day, he gave his life to Jesus. I remember him. He was the only guy that walked to the front. Our church was like 30 people then. And, and when people get saved like that, you know, it's pretty obvious. Like, and he just gets up to the front and he just starts crying. He starts weeping. Gave his life. And he hasn't, I mean, obviously he worked, walked a journey, but he hasn't turned back. He's, he's living now in Cape Town, married a girl in the church. He's got a kid following Jesus. Him and I every te- text every now and then. He was one of our first kind of converts in City Lights. And I thought, we cannot forget these moments. Someone came and spoke to me afterwards, the first meeting. He got saved about four weeks ago. Um, again, like I, I did an altar call then, no one put their hand up. And then he came to me afterwards. He's like, and he's shaking like this. He's like, I gave my life to Jesus. I, f- I feel like everything's changing. And I was like, that's the spirit of God working in you. And I, I was just amazing. And there's another girl, Sukita, friend of ours, Sri Lankan girl. And um, they're actually living back in Sri Lanka now. But she had this, this radical moment with God. And she was a Buddhist. Her husband was a Christian. She was a Buddhist. I don't recommend that necessarily. Um, it's not going to make a happy marriage. But uh, anyway, so, so he... he, he she, she was a very nice girl, and he brought her along to church, and she was very observant. The one week, we call people up for prayer, for healing, and she had scoliosis in her spine her whole life, Wake, woke up in absolute excruciating pain her whole life. Stala goes up to her, prays for her, and just lays hands on her, and her spine straightens out, and she gets healed in that moment. She's like, and she starts crying, and Stala like, didn't know what was happening. Like, you know, she says, what's wrong? And she goes, I've just been healed. 
radically ill. Right then, she gave her life to Jesus. The next morning, she woke up. Every morning was pain. She had no pain, and she hasn't had pain since. Isn't that incredible? God is alive. And uh, we need to obviously keep those in front of us. Dinesh, do you want to come up and share again? So Dinesh got saved a couple of years ago. Um, but I'll let him tell, tell the story. Let's give him a round of applause. Hi. Yeah, again. Um, so I was an atheist back then, uh, three years ago. And uh, my life previously was uh, very bad. I did a lot of things which I'm not proud of. And I don't want to give credit to any of those or the things I've uh, done way back. The story behind is, um, even though I was an atheist, and even I was very close to the evil power, Satan, throughout, God never let me down. And he was holding on to me throughout the times I've been sinning, throughout the times I've been going away from him, he was holding on to me. So the journey from there onwards, um, I never intended to come to Dubai. I came to Dubai. I met my wife right now, and uh, through her, God actually led me to come to this church, and um, he showed me the way. I mean, I I walked in, I introduced myself to Dan, I said, hi, I'm an atheist. So you can understand how ignorant I was back then. So things start to change, and I start to change, and God was working in me with the Holy Spirit. So from the time... I've baptized. Things have been very different. Uh, different, And I've understood one thing is, see, your siblings or your friends or your spouses, maybe they're atheists, but God is working through you. He's touching each of them through you. That's what I understood. Even, even my wife was previously, we were going out, and I used to argue about a lot of things against God. She, she put up with me. I don't know why. I love you. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so what I'm trying to say is, um, even if you're bad, if you're sinning, you have the worst person in life, still God holds on to you until you're saved. Trust me, he does. It took 30 years for me. I don't know, for your friends, your spouse, or your siblings, it can be different. But right now, I'm so privileged. I'm glad that I can do the same for others. Through God, his wisdom, I can help others and to do his work. Thank you, Jesus. So he went from an atheist to a community group leader and obviously greater things in their future. That's amazing. I just think if God can change someone who was anti him. He didn't know he was. The thing is, people, and this is my, my point, people are closer to God than you think they are. You think, I've got this friend who's so far from God. All he needs sometimes is just for you to love them and for you to draw them into him. So third point, and I want to end on this. The third thing that the power of God brings is a power-filled community. That's us. We are the the called out ones, the ecclesia. And I I found this amazing commentary, and it just said that the ecclesia means the legislative uh, assembly or the selected ones. It's a Greek term. For a group of people who have been summoned together to govern the affairs of the city. Amazing. Imagine the responsibility we have. 
And if you look throughout history, church, the church has always been the ones that are the yeast amongst the dough. We are the, sometimes the small part, but we can bring the most change. And I want us to, to think as a community that is following after them, how can we bring change into the city? How can we radically love on the city? And I think the, the best way we know how is to lead people to Jesus, is to be an example, to be a light, to be someone who is pointing the way to him. Acts 2.42 says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing of meals and including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property, way more radical than I think the modern church, and their possessions and shared the money for those who had need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in their homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. And a sign of a healthy community is, is, is God adding those who are being saved. And it's, just, it's, it's amazing. Often, every, nearly every meeting I do an altar call and say, do you want to give your life to Jesus? We may get one or two hands, often we don't, but you just have to keep putting it out there. The amount of times that people haven't put their hands up and have come afterwards and have just repented and just gave their lives to Jesus and just handed everything over to him, is, it's just amazing. A community that is powerful is the ones that are reaching those who don't know Jesus. We have to bring life, we have to dispense life in the city. Jesus' view of community, com- community not community, community, wasn't introspective, but it was expansive. Whenever things got too uncomfortable, Jesus would say, cool, we're moving from here. The disciples would say, okay, cool, let's set up a base. Let's do something here. Let's set up a tent. Jesus says, cool, we're moving on to the next place. And I think we need to learn to live in the uncomfortable zone as followers of Jesus. That it's gonna take all of us being a little bit stretched. It's gonna take all of us stepping out in faith. It's gonna, maybe God gives you a prophetic word for someone or maybe there's someone in your office who's struggling with a back pain and, and God, every time they walk past you, you get this pain in, in your heart and you're like, I need to pray for them. And you don't. And, but God's saying, but just keep going because you're the one who's carrying the life to dispense the life, to bring the kingdom of God to earth. It's amazing that the spirit of God, when he comes in power, when he comes into our lives, is that he reorders our priorities. And he did a few things. He, they, they, they prioritized the word. They prioritized fellowship, which is the Greek word kinonia, which is fellowship with a mission. They shared meals, remembering Jesus every day. We need to keep the remembrance of Jesus. Sometimes we can get, go through weeks and we, have, and we can lose connection with the Father because we need to just learn to, if it's communion every morning, for a long season of my life, I would do communion every morning. Just to remember God, even if I felt it or not. Some mornings I cried and understood the power of it. Other mornings I'm like, I'm eating a biscuit and some juice. But it's a remembrance of who he is. Prayer is is a natural outflow when the power of God comes. We want to interact with the Father. We want to pray things forward. We've started every day a different person has been praying and fasting in the church since January 1st. And it's just brought such momentum, even with our venue and things that were seeming impossible is this, this place of prayer builds momentum in the church. Generosity is a natural outflow of, of Jesus Christ when we meet him. And evangelism, for me, is the key part. We never want to be a church that is introspective, us four, no more. And when our community groups grow too big, we multiply. We never, we never close the door on anyone. 
we keep the doors open. We say, okay, cool. There's someone who's ready. We're going to send them out. They, they're kind of ready. I can tell you that when I started leading a community group, I was not ready at all. I barely knew the Bible. Like, I knew a few like popcorn scriptures, so I'd probably repeat those over and over. But this, this gospel is about expanding outwards. And I honestly believe God wants to birth a movement in and through City Lights. And I say that humbly because I know it can only be by Him. But I believe He wants to do something and it's going to happen when we all catch that we are the saints. We, you don't need, the, the problem often, I believe, where the modern church has gone is we've elevated the pastor, we've elevated these ministry gifts, and they become the one that does all the work, where they're actually there to equip you to do the work. I'm here to equip you. So Friday's an equipping time as well as an outreach time, but it's to equip you to be the, to be the body, to be Jesus in the society. Can the worship team come up? And I, I really want to just give a bit of space for God to, to do what he needs to do. I think you're the lucky ones. You're in the 11 o'clock meeting. So we're going to go till like two. Is that cool? <laughs> but uh, let's, let's stand all together, could we? And um, yeah, we, I'm just without any effort, without trying to conjure up anything. I really want, feel like the Holy Spirit wants to move in people's hearts and lives this morning. So we're just going to play some music. I'm going to pray. And then we're just going to wait on God, if that's cool. We don't, I don't think we wait enough in church. Yeah, Father, we are so grateful for your grace on our lives. We're so grateful that you saved us. You brought us into new life. You changed us. You took a heart of stone. You made a heart of flesh gave us new desires. So Holy Spirit, we just pray that you'll just come this morning. You're with us already. Just come in full hearts.